to me, oh, you've done so well in such a short period of time, you've, you've done all of these things. I said, you've always got to remember that it feels completely different on the inside. It feels like chaos. It feels like drama. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Startup West podcast. My name is Steve Elias, and greetings to my co-host, Brodie McCulloch. Hi, Steve, and welcome to all our Startup West podcast listeners. Startup West podcast is all about startups, entrepreneurs, and innovators who have been there and done it, or are right here and doing it in sunny Western Australia. On this episode, we have the opportunity to chat with Aaron Clark, the co-founder of Dark Story, an innovative service offering self-guided tours with immersive stories that blend photos, videos, and audio, which guides you through discovering the intriguing hidden past of Western Australia's most iconic and unknown locations. Hi, Erin, and welcome to Startup West. Fantastic to have you here. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us about your business, Dark Story? Uh, what's the story <laughs> and what, what has led you to starting the business? Uh, I think the interesting thing about Dark Story was uh, it started over two bottles of Prosecco, uh, like all good ideas do. Um, <laughs> my co-founder, Damien, and I were in the city on a weekend and we realised how few businesses were open um, as a result of the pandemic. So it was quite depressing that all of our usual haunts for a long lunch were closed and we really noticed that there wasn't much foot traffic in the city. So what we started brainstorming as lifelong travellers and we love a good walking tour is how might we get more people back into our cities and out exploring as part of the pandemic. Um, because I had a short gap between two client projects, we set ourselves a challenge of going from idea to launch in four weeks, mm, wow. which was a lot of fun. So we managed to get from our initial session in early February, we were in the app store by March. Mm, awesome. That's amazing. Uh, how did you set up in that first place? And I guess what were some of those initial issues that you encountered? So the big focus for us was wanting to find a codeless platform. So because right. we knew that it was just an idea, we wanted to be able to get something to market really quickly so that we could sense check what it was, who was going to use it, those types of things. So it quickly uh, emerged into very much just a tour business. Mm. Um, but what sets us apart is our focus on history and diverse storytelling and using technology. So it's very much about using immersive technologies to tell stories in different ways. And did you need to inject capital yourselves or bootstrapped it? Um, sounds like, you know, using a codeless platform might have helped with that. So it'd be good to find out a bit more about that. Yes. Yeah, so uh, we've new. been really focused on bootstrapping. So we're quite fortunate that in our spare time, we run a technology consultancy so we've been able to beg, borrow and steal. And so I think our initial startup costs were the grand total of $1,500. Mm. Uh, but that is um, a lot of sweat and tears as well and a few uh, rounds at the pub <laughs> for yeah. all of the people who have helped us along the way. And Erin, um, what was it like in those early early times? I mean, I know I appreciate you're still quite quite fledgling this year, but um, taking it back to earlier this year, what was it like then and how did it grow? So the big challenge for us is the business has grown a lot faster than what we expected. We thought it would be a slow burn type yeah. startup. We'd pop it in the app store. No one would download it. 
and that we would slowly be uh, working towards just growing it organically over time. What's actually happened is we've been really fortunate to receive a few grants in the last few months as well. So it's really turbocharged our growth. The flip side to that is we're still, um, Damien, my co-founder, has got a day job and I'm still running a technology consultancy and still consulting as well. So it's been some pretty crazy weeks where we've had uh, client projects as well as dark story projects all due at the same time. So like all good founders, there's been a little bit of uh, crunch work Mm -hmm. over the last few months. And so when did you sort of know that it was going to work from user feedback or what was the, when was it where it's like, okay, we've gone to something here? Was our first beta test because it was codeless and we just sort of done it on a whim. We didn't really have this feeling that we were onto something. And when we did our first beta test, we were completely shocked at how engaged everybody was because in our mind we're like this is simple technology Mm -hmm. it's completely codeless there's nothing particularly complex to it but when we saw the users engage with the app and how excited and engaged they were it well and truly exceeded what we were expecting in that first round of testing when success happens Erin typically we see quite a few competitors that tend to to do something similar Um, are there any competitors on the scene at this point in time for you Because we're focused in a quite niche type space, so we're really consciously focused on history and we're consciously focused in um, more adult type segments. So there is existing apps out there already who are really focused around family and general history. Because we're a niche player, we're not expecting that somebody would compete directly against us. The other great thing is because we're part of the tourism eco-sector, is that tourists can have more than one experience on a holiday. Mm. So you can do a dark story tour on one day and then the next day you could go on a traditional walking tour with, say, someone like Two Feet and a Heartbeat or a food tour with Eat the Street. So we don't necessarily have to directly compete against the other tourism providers in Perth. It's one of those types of sectors where as the whole sector grows um, and it's quite interesting. So we've got groups like Destination Perth who are supported um, through Jetsy. We've got the Tourism Council WA and the sector cross-promotes all of the different offerings together with that in mind. Brilliant. Can you talk a little bit about like Codeless and what that involves? Because it is quite new, (laughs) right? Like it's probably the last three years I would think it's taken off. I was doing it before it was cool. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it's it's probably, yeah, there's probably entrepreneurs where looking at, you know, they want to get a prototype up, they want to test something. So maybe if you can talk a little bit about Codeless and why why you guys used it. it, Yeah, so I've over my career sat in the space between technology and people who build technology for a lot longer than I'll admit. And I've always been the person who has been given the codeless piece of technology. So I remember before SharePoint, so a lot of people's experience of codeless has been the SharePoint product, which has changed a lot over time. I remember it when it was WSS and it was, um, yeah, part of Microsoft Project Um, So I suppose it's really being able to, because I come from a business analyst um, background as well back in the day, is really what Codeless gets you to do is really focus on 
what is it that you're trying to build? Like at an absolutely elemental level, is it a workflow? Is it a piece of content? Those types of things. So it's really thinking about what is it that you're trying to build? Who's trying to use it? And what are the building blocks? So when you kind of step out your requirements, it's being able to kind of go, what type of widget is it that I need? So for Dark Story, we're a content-heavy business. So we knew that we needed something that was going to be able to handle mm. a lot of content. We knew that we needed something that was going to have a strong spatial dimension to it. So we needed something that had a good mapping capability. And then we also knew that we wanted to bring in um, immersive technology as well. So we were looking for something that had integrations with some of the common platforms like Unity and those types of things. So it's really being able to understand your requirements and then do a market search to look at what's the thing that's on the market that's closest to the requirements that I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. And then once you're actually in there and building it, it's also being able to think on your feet. So it's not going to do exactly what you want it to do. So how might you be able to, you know, choose true things together? Mm -hmm. You know, how might you be able to glue them together in such a way that you can still get the outcome that you're looking for? Mm -hmm. um, and I think the Codeless journey for us has been um, fantastic, particularly for Dark Story, because what it enabled us to do really quickly is we've already got a spin-off product. Mm. So we started focused on we want to tell, you know, dark stories, true crime, you know, mm. the gritty end of mm -hmm. town because that's that's something that we thought was quite unique and, and different. And um, we were really fortunate that um, somebody saw our enterprising women's tour and went, wow, that's fantastic. So we've already able to take a complete copy of Dark Story and then take out all of the adult content. <laughs> and so now we've got a separate app called um, Edu Story, mm. which is targeted around high school students. Mm. So we were able to spin that up, the new app up, because it was completely codeless in the space of a few hours and publish it to the app store. So there'd be very few, I think, technology businesses who would be able to move that quickly. So um, St Hilda's where we did a pilot with them a few weeks ago, last week, <laughs> um, and they were just completely blown away by how quickly we could accommodate exactly what they were after. So it allows you to um, speed's a big one and then allows you to iterate quickly to change product based on the actual feedback you're getting Definitely. rather than rebuilding everything from scratch again. Yeah, awesome. That's amazing, Erin. Um, you, you've already mentioned some of the highlights and successes along the way um, that have kept you going. So what are the plans for the next few years? Uh, the focus in the next few years is very much to grow organically. So I mentioned about we started bootstrapping and the, we want to be able to bootstrap for as long as we, we possibly can. Uh, so organic growth is really important for us and we're really keen to tap into the Perth community and do as many collaborations as we can. So working with other people in the tourism sector, um, but we've also got a few weird and wonderful collaborations that we're working on at the moment. So, for example, we're working on a sustainable coffee tour in Fremantle mm. with our kinds. It's very so, Fremantle. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what the technology platform allows us to do because mm. a traditional walking tour, you've got to be 
preparing content for everyone who comes along. But because it's that on-demand type model, we can go hyper niche. So we can go Mm. into that very Fremantle type vibe of a sustainable coffee Mm. tour. But we really want to move in. Sorry, we've got some driving tours that we're just putting the finishing touches on. And we're also really keen to tap into the cruise ship market over the next uh, little while as well, just because as we start to see um, large volumes of tourists come back to WA, we're really keen to be the first people that they see when they um, get off the boat. And a shout out to the Startup West podcast sponsors. The Startup West podcast is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support from Space Cubed, Curtin University, RSM, the City of Perth, Dinner Twist and Techon. Erin, can you take us back through your career uh, from your own schooling growing up? Are you WA, Perth, born and bred? So while I'm not Perth born and bred, I've definitely fallen in love with WA. My husband and I said that we would move to WA for two years and we've now been here for more than 10. So definitely a proud supporter of uh, Team Western Australia. So I actually grew up in country Victoria and completely fell into, like most people I think, in the startup space uh, by complete accident. So I'm a trained journalist, so I studied journalism, uh, did a sabbatical teaching English and in Indonesia, spent my formative years working on projects right through Southeast Asia in that space between technology and people who who use technology. So it's it's always been, I think, well, I've been one of those people who's just said yes to all kinds of weird and, and wonderful things as part of my my career. So, yeah, I, just, I think my my first, one of my first jobs to pay my way through university was the lady cooking sausages in the supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I spent a long time also in the media monitoring industry, which is actually kind of one of those strange ones where I was working on the transition between analog to digital Mm. technology. So it was one of those ones. So I managed my first project when I was 19 uh, because it was like, oh, you're you're the young person. You you can work (laughs) this out, how this is all going to work. So I've always been in that space of uh, working in industries that are at that cusp of disruption. Awesome. And what were some of your favourite subjects at school like? Was there any sign of that entrepreneurial ambition and um, where did that sort of come from? Well, yeah, it's interesting because I never studied. So I studied history, journalism, Mm. those types of things, spent a lot of time in that storytelling type space. So my introduction to entrepreneurship was actually uh, completely by accident and only quite recent. Mm. So I've got an autoimmune disease and had to stop working full-time. And so I was not well enough to work full-time but also getting quite bored sitting around Mm -hmm. the house all day. So I was kind of in this tipping point where surely there's something that I can do and part-time work's still not really this thing, part-time's not really part-time, all those kind of things. So my entrepreneurial journey was very much around creating this job that didn't exist that that I wanted. So my first startup very much just came from um, wanting to do something 
and not being able to to work full time. I've since been quite fortunate that I'm now in remission and can work a lot more than than what I did previously. But it was only just by a complete accident. Mm. Um, and it, it was quite interesting. Someone mentioned, referred to me as an entrepreneur recently. She's like, come on, after so many different businesses and things that I've I've been involved in. She she was challenging me. She's like, surely you see yourself as an entrepreneur by now. But I will always just think of it as it's not a title so much as it's just this kind of need to to be able to do something and create something. But I think it does become strangely addictive <laughs> as well. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, you've, you've obviously given us a, a bit of a glimpse already into uh, life after school and uh, your first jobs and then things like that. Based on all that experience, what advice would you give to the Perth startup community at this point in time? To the Perth startup community, I think it would be you're already fantastic. Um, the and keep. I think that the challenge for the startup community is as borders start to open, how can we keep that uniquely West Australian? type feel because I've been so fortunate to receive so much support from the startup community and we would be nowhere near as successful as as what we have been without uh, the guidance of of different people, particularly Venture X. Mm-hmm. So this time round we've been part of Venture X and the it has just been the most fantastic, amazing experience and the way that the program was designed is has just been the perfect fit because it's not that traditional incubator type model where you come in with an idea and you leave and you've got to follow a set format. It's worked really well for us because we've got um, you're, you're injecting those kind of right ideas at the right time. You've got a trusted group um, of inspiring women behind the organisation, but you've also got this great network of other startups who are in the trenches with you and really inspiring you to keep going and also just getting you to think about things in a different way. And I think the challenge is as the borders open, how do we keep that West Australian type support network that we've got, but really start to think nationally and globally as well. Uh, Have you started looking nationally as to next opportunities? I'm avoiding the temptation. <laughs> so organic, our, <laughs> yeah, organic our, growth. Our roadmap is very much focused on, uh, like I suppose so many good startups, own WA first and then go somewhat like Space Cubed, I believe. <laughs> uh, own WA first and then move nationally and internationally. We're being quite fortunate in that West Australia in terms of the tourism stats is far outperforming the other states at the moment. Mm-hmm. So we also got lucky. So the tourism sectors in all of the other states are well below um, their pre-COVID levels, whereas WA is already punching above its weight Mm. and it's only just um, launching a new tourism campaign as well. So we're hoping that that will also drive visitor numbers. Mm. And just one other quick follow-on question. Uh, You mentioned not wanting to, uh, you know, that you're focusing on organic growth. Yeah. Um, What was one of the reasons around focusing on that rather than fundraising to to sort of supercharge that growth? Oh, that's a difficult difficult (laughs) question. Uh, So this is is definitely my personal opinion, Mm -hmm. is investors can come with their own challenges 
And it's so as long as we can hold out because um, my co-founder and I are in a position where we can Mm. um, bootstrap it for a period of time, at some point we will have to bite the bullet and go down that um, route. But my personal philosophy is I want us to be a business that's first and foremost profitable Mm -hmm. rather than a business that is completely architected around seeking capital Mm. and constantly having to look for capital. Mm. Very much want to be able to go, yep, cool, we're profitable, we've got clear revenue streams and those types of things so that when we do go out looking for funding, it's the right types of funding for us um, and we're going to be able to um, get obviously better deals um, the longer that we can hold out. No, that makes a lot of sense. Revenue growth is, uh, yeah, the best investor <laughs> on having customers. So, mm. yeah, 100%. Uh, based on that, Erin, uh, if and when you do need to go for the fundraising at the moment, what, what's your perspective of the local WA fundraising scene for the startup community? That's an interesting one as well, isn't it? This It's definitely changed a lot in the last little while there's, I think, a lot more conversation awareness about what it means to to get funding. I think there's this changing perception about there used to be, I think, this urban myth that I'm a start, you know, anyone who's a startup, you put your hand up, you get money and off you go kind of thing. There seems to be a lot more, I think, awareness in the startup community about what does that process look like? What do they need to do? I think there's kind of the bar has been raised, I think, on both sides, so both investors in terms of what they expect to see out of startups and those types of things. It's not like you go to Freo on a Friday and you've got a um, deal on um, Monday. Mm. That I think those there's a lot more maturity is probably the word that I'm looking for there um, from both investors and also people seeking investment. So who do you admire in the local startup community, whether it's an organisation or a, um, you know, a, a leader within the, the WA startup community? Oh, so many. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone. <Yeah. laughs> Plenty. Um, pretty much anyone who's a founder because I think as a founder you know how hard it is. So I pretty much I look at any founder and just go, oh, my God, how do you do that? <laughs> like, And it was funny, someone was saying to me, um, and I think it's that that appreciation of what it looks like on the outside is different to what it feels like on the inside. So someone was saying to me, oh, you've done so well in such a short period of time. You've, you've done all of these things. I said, you've always got to remember that it feels completely different on the inside. It feels like chaos. It feels like drama, all those types of things. So first and foremost, any founder, because they're all fantastic. I've not yet met a founder who has not inspired me. Um, but also I think particularly Cheryl Frame as well. So Cheryl um, was one of my first people when I started talking about Dark Story and what we were going to do and those types of things. I think Cheryl's guidance along with the rest of the Venture X team has really just ho- helped um, us move through that sort of those early sort of embryotic phase much faster than I think what we would have otherwise so, yeah, let's do a rapid quick fire round. So it's just, yeah, short, sharp answers to some of these. But what was the single most important factor that makes a successful startup? Determination. If you were to wave your magic wand, Erin, over the local startup scene, what would you wish into being or even wish away? Oh, that's a hard one. Mm. Um, fun. 
Yeah, very good. That makes sense. How can anyone listening help you? So we're really interested at the moment in relationships with tour resellers Mm -hmm. and also large events. So one of the things that we've found with our user base is we see big spikes around particular days and dates and those types of things. So we're really interested in collaborating with anyone who's doing an event that we can tie into with a specific route or collaboration. Busy times for everyone, Erin, but uh, what do you do to get away from it all? Relax and refresh. I made, um, along with my husband, the crazy decision to buy a farm in the wheat belt. (laughs) Wow. um, On a whim. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So when I'm not working on Dark's story, I'm up in the wheat belt um, doing some major demolitions while listening to metal music, which is so nice. Yeah. Quite a uh, combo. Quite a combo, quite a juxtaposition. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a really great place, particularly as so much of what we do now doesn't need to be face-to-face. Uh, it's a fantastic place to get and sort of unwind and, and reconnect and sometimes forget about all things startup. <laughs> yeah, so thank you so much, Erin. Thanks for sharing your story uh, about Dark Story. Uh yeah, it's really an amazing, you know, quick growth of what you're doing. And I think the, some of the lessons around no code and you know, how people can start up their ideas really quickly uh, is very valuable. So thanks so much and best of luck with it all. Thanks for having me. Best wishes, Aaron. Also, thanks to our sponsors, Startup West Podcast is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support from Space Cubed, Curtin University, RSM, City of Perth, Inner Twist and TechOn. We recorded this podcast at Rift Podcast Studios in beautiful downtown Perth, Western Australia. Don't forget to subscribe to Startup West on your favourite podcast platform so our latest episodes appear in your feed. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review. We'd love to hear from you.